From St. Luke's Gospel, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Glad to see you all here today at this uh, little country parish we call Trinity Vero. Um, My name is Father Chris Rodriguez. I am the rector here, and I'm glad to see you all here tonight as we celebrate the birth of the Son of God. Um, I'll be honest with you, truth be told, um, it's sort of ironic in the whole scheme of things and, and, and the story of my own life, but my early memories as a you know, 10, 12, 13-year-old boy of Christmas Eve mass, they weren't very good. I'll be perfectly honest. When I was a kid, uh, we only went to church twice a year. We were the uh, Christers, right, Christmas and Easter folks. And... Uh, I remember every year my mother had this fur coat, which I hated, and she put that on, it would be like 95 degrees in the church, St. Philip's and James Church in Exton, Pennsylvania, if you know it by any chance. And then the worst part is that they used incense every, and it was terrible, it smelled like burnt sawdust, which I think it might have actually been burnt sawdust. Uh, <laughs> But, I, but you know, honestly, I think back to it now. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I think back to it. And the one thing which bothered me the most, and maybe this is maybe true for you, I don't know, is this idea, this intellectual thing that even as a kid made no sense to me, that we talk about peace on earth, goodwill towards men, right? Yeah. Where, where exactly is that? Anybody know? I mean, it's, if you think about it logically, we don't need to say peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And yeah, you know, flash forward 35 years, we've got Ukraine, we've got Hamas, Taiwan, wait for that in 2024. Peace on earth, I used to think to myself, even as a kid, I'm like, really? Give me a break. This is just nonsense. And so, honestly, as a kid, I chalked up, and maybe you're in the spot too, and if you are, I sympathize with you. Uh, maybe you're in the spot now where you, this Christmas thing is just sort of a whole made-up fairy tale. And what is a fairy tale? A fairy tale is a fictitious story that teaches a truth claim, maybe, but everyone knows it's not true. It's just a, a good story to treat, teach little kids to behave, right? Well, what if, you know, this took a long time for me until I was in my mid-20s when I finally became a Christian, But here's the question I want to look at tonight. What is this idea on peace on earth isn't as stupid and silly as it seems on the surface? Maybe there's actually a lot more to this than meets the eye. Maybe there's a lot more to it than you and I react to, given the fact we've been burned so many times and continue to be burned by people in leadership roles that don't deliver. You learn almost after a period of time to be skeptical and distrustful of authority. When someone says, peace on earth, it's like, yeah, show me the money, right? Maybe there's more to it, though. We're going to look at that tonight. Because let's be honest, peace on earth is not a naive expression of hope in the Christian view. uh, But actually, and this might sound funny, peace on earth is actually an existential reality for people that believe in Jesus. Even now even right now. What if Christmas isn't just a silly little story about babies and farm animals prancing around a stall, right? But really it was about the birth, what it is about the birth of a king, a new kind of king who actually does bring peace, but in a way in which we least expect it. And I'm going to show you with two points. 
this morning, this evening, sorry, I do that every year, this evening. Who is this new king? Who is this new king? And who is your king? So who is this new king? Before I get into that, has anybody seen the new Napoleon movie? It's, don't. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, I'm, again, I'm no Roger Ebert. I'm no movie critic. My favorite movie is and continues to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So I'm, I'm pretty lowbrow in this category. I'm not a, not a movie snob by any stretch of the imagination. But the Napoleon movie, I would say, you know, you do you, but in my view, wait for Netflix. However, there was a scene, which I thought was actually a pretty amazing scene. A lot of good battle scenes, too, if you like military history, which I do. But one of the really cool scenes in it was the scene where Napoleon was crowned king. Technically emperor, but let's just say king for sake of argument. And he was crowned king in the cathedral parish of Notre Dame in Paris. Surrounded by the wealthiest people in Europe, movers and shakers, the cultural elites of his day. And there's Napoleon standing there, uh, all five feet, six of him, whatever he was, and Pope Pius VI behind him to go to play. This is the best scene of the whole movie. Goes to place the crown on his head, and Napoleon actually, this is true, takes the crown from the Pope and places it on his own head. Here's the point. Most kings, whether you're Napoleon or even Charles, the current king of England, right? Most kings, think about it, they are announced with fanfare and spectacle and pageantry, but not the king, listen, that we worship here tonight. This new king, this King Jesus, right? Christos, Jesus Christ, means king, right? So this new, the angels say, here is Christ, the, you know, Savior. He's Christ the Lord. He's the new king. That's what the angels say he is to these shepherds. And this new king, Jesus, born in the city of David, where the king's palace is. But this king's not born in a palace. This king is born in a barn. And this king is not wrapped in the finest silk with a fluffy down pillow for his little sweet head but tightly wrapped up in a barn blanket with hay, maybe even dirty hay, for a mattress. What's my point in all this? Well, it's outrageous to think about it. For the church to make a claim that this is our king, and he's a kid born in a barn, this is a different kind of king. This is the kind of king that all the other kings are held against as a standard. This King Jesus is an otherworldly king, literally, who rules an otherworldly kingdom, literally, and he rules by otherworldly rules. The angels say this. I'll read it to you again, and you'll see it. For unto you is born in the city of David, again, where the kings are born, in Bethlehem, right, where the, where the king lives, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, Christos, Kyrios, Christ the Lord, the King. And in fact, if you go to Bethlehem, at this, you can still see this very spot. And in fact, the church where this, takes, where this spot is, is called the Church of the, of the Nativity. I was there in last, last April. I visited with a group of friends. I wouldn't go now. I wouldn't dream of going now. It's way too dangerous. But I actually got to see the very place where Jesus was born. 
There's a huge church there now um, called the Church of the Nativity. And in fact, they have midnight mass at 5 o'clock tonight. Pray for them, please. 5 o'clock our time. And it's that massive church with this stone, this stained glass and the architecture and silver and, you know, the whole shoot match. And there's just, it's this massive ornate church built on top of essentially what is underneath it in the basement, a cave. And in this cave, in the basement of the church, you will find a small area. It's no bigger than that altar. It's about that size and about that height, actually, come to think of it. And in that, in that space, you will find the place, the actual place where Jesus was born. And I had the opportunity, which I had the opportunity to go in there. It took a while to get down there. A lot of pilgrims from all over the world, literally. And I went down there, and I got down on my knees, and I kissed the ground, that very spot. And I will tell you, I'm, I'm not a, an overly emotional man, but that moved me to tears because of the humility of the spot. And all these people gathered around to see this king. And I thought about it in that very moment. You know, stuff kind of floods into you all at once. It's something like that. And I thought to myself, you know, why do we put all this stuff on top of it? Why do we cover up all of these, this humility, this simplicity with all of these beautiful things? Well, I think actually it's because uh, it scares us a little. <laughs> this otherworldly king is a little terrifying. This kid born in a barn, a king who was the ruler of the universe, who's born in a barn, I think that sort of freaks us out a little bit. Because this king, this new king, Jesus, he doesn't play by our rules. He doesn't value the things that you and I value, because it's all his anyway. He's got nothing to prove. He doesn't want gold or a treasure. He doesn't want a fancy crib or silk slippers with little reindeers on them. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't want an entourage. Now, people to tell him how great he is. He's got shepherds. They're blue-collar guys that are working in the fields at night because everybody else is back home snug as a bug in a rug. He doesn't want any of these things that we want to give him. But you know what he does want? You know what he does want? He wants, he wants you. And he wants you, and he wants you, and he wants you, and he wants me. That's what this king wants. He wants you and he wants me. And what he wants, what he wants is you and I to learn, listen, what he wants, this king does, for our sake, is for us to learn to trust him. To see your life and to see my own life, not from my perspective, but from his. You know, it's interesting. The Greek word, you know, the New Testament is written in Greek, Biblic, Koine Greek it's called. And the Greek word that's translated faith, F-A-I-T-H into English, is a Greek word, pastuo. And it doesn't mean believe in something. Faith, biblical faith does not mean, oh, I believe in God. God doesn't care if you believe that he exists. He assumes that you do. Jesus even says, even the demons believe that God exists and they shudder. No, the, the faith that Jesus wants from you, that faith, if you read, whenever you hear the word faith in the New Testament, replace it with this word, trust. And then it'll make more sense to you. This king wants you to learn, not to believe that he, who he is, but to trust him for who he is. This king wants you to learn to trust him. After all, if he is the king of the universe, he made you, he made you, you are his, whether you like it or not. 
You are not your own, Scripture says. And you and I will someday have to stand before him and give an account for how we have lived our lives, the life that he gave you. And this Jesus, this king, knows you better than you even know yourself. All your joys, all your hurts, all your victories in life, woo, and all your failures. He knows it all. He knows it all. Let me give you an example. Many of you have kids, right? You have kids, and if you have children, or you have grandchildren, or you've seen it done, right? You know how this feels. I've got three daughters, right? I was reminded this last night before I went to bed, one of the many blessings of having daughters is I never have to wrap presents. Not that I don't give presents, I just give them to them, and they, they wrap them for me. I hate to wrap presents. The trick is, guys, if you don't want to wrap presents, just do a horrible job, and your daughter will say, Dad, you're, you're terrible at this, and they'll do it for you. Anyway, I have three daughters, and one of the many blessings that my daughter has given to me is that they've learned to wrap presents, but also, you see, even in, my girls are all grown up, right? 24, 22, and 18. But even from when they were really little, you could see that they're different. I could see differences in their personalities when they were two years old. You know, same parents, being raised the same way, same, you know, same upbringing, all that kind of stuff. But they're all different. And you watch them grow, and you watch them begin to discover the things in their life that they enjoy. But you begin to see in their little lives that they're different and how God will maybe be using them when they grow up. It's one of the great joys of being a parent, watching God take them and grow them up into the, the men and women he wants them to be. Here's my point. I think in some way, that's how Jesus, as king, sees you and me. Because he knows you. He knows me better than I know myself. He designed you, and he designed me from the ground up. I wonder, this king, the joy that he has watching you mature and grow in your love and your trust for him. I don't mean just as a kid, I mean as an adult, too. Even now, watching you engage with the mission and the challenges that he places before you. Let's dial this in for a second, and let's just make it practical. Where, where in your life right now do you need assurance? And I, don't, I don't mean a pat on the head and a, at a boy. I don't mean that kind of thing. I mean, where in your life right now do you need someone that you can trust? Because, man, the bottom has fallen out or it's falling fast. Where do you turn to make sure that the stuff that's going on in your life that you cannot control, which, quite frankly, is most of it, if not all of it, fundamentally, where do you go to f decide how these things are all going to turn out? You know, worry and fear, they're, they used to call them kissing cousins, right? They're two sides of the same coin. Worry and fear are the, de are the tools that the, de the, devil, that the devil uses to, to sow fear and doubt in your heart and in mine. Worry and fear are the tools that Satan uses to sow worry and doubt and distrust in your heart. That's what he does, after all. That's all he's got. That's his whole gig, to sow discord, to sow accusation, to make you doubt, to make you wonder, to make you think to yourself, is this Christmas thing just all a big fairy tale? <laughs> he cast out. That's his whole gig, Satan's. But by contrast, Jesus wants you to trust him. I mean, look, maybe, maybe you... Or someone you love or someone that you know, someone you know well, 
is wrestling with some kind of an illness, right? Physical illness or mental illness or whatever it might be. I don't know. Everyone's got stuff. Maybe it's your financial situation is deteriorating. Or maybe you don't know what you're going to do this year for a job. Maybe you're just plain lonely. Well, everyone else is having a great time, right? And everyone's on TikTok and Instagram, which I don't do either. But, but this is the thing I want you to see. See, Christmas is not about cute little baby Jesus away in a manger with dances of sugar plums in his head and all that kind of stuff. Because the boy actually, here's the thing. The boy grew up. They always do. He is the king. And the question, the second point is then, is he your king? This might sound like a rhetorical question, but actually this question is, is, the, is the most important question you will ever answer in your entire life period. Is Jesus Christ your king? What I mean by that is, look, everybody has a first principle. Everybody has a thing upon which everything else is founded. You and I, we all do it. Most of us never stop to think about it, but everybody has a thing that we use to make all of our decisions, all of our value judgments. How are you going to raise your children? How are you going to spend your money? What are you going to do on a Sunday morning? Play golf or go to church? All of it. It all starts with the first things. And that first thing is your king. And my question for you is, who is your king? You know, I say this a lot when I preach because it's true, that there is no such thing, there is no such thing as coincidence. No such thing. There are things that happen that are, have no real bearing on life. That's true. But there is no such thing as coincidence. The other, I'll give you an example. The other day I was driving into work and I was listening to uh, Ben Shapiro's podcast, which I usually listen to, but today he was just annoying. And so I, I, said, I said, Siri, give me a new podcast. And it, turned, it said, well, here's one. I'd never heard of it before called Louder with Chowder. Anybody know it? All right. I didn't either. A guy named Stephen Chowder. Anyway, I flip it on. I flip it on. Okay, well, let's give it a shot here. I flip it on. And this is what, as, as I'm thinking about the sermon for tonight, this is what he said. You ready? I'm quoting. Chowder says, everyone serves a master. In business, you serve a master. And in life, you serve a master. This is the question we ask, need to ask ourselves at Christmas today. Who do we serve? Or to put it another way, who is your king? 2 Peter chapter 2.19 says this, For whatever overcomes a person, whatever you worry about, the thing you think about, whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. In other words, whatever you rely upon to guide your life, that is the thing that guides your life. So back to the question, who is your king? Kings come in all different shapes and sizes, and they're not all bad. It could be your job. It could be your kids. It could be your career. It could be your money. It could be you. And if, you're not, if you don't stop and think about this, it could be all those things. And the thing I'm trying to challenge you with tonight, friends, on Christmas Eve is this. Is Jesus Christ your king? See, peace on earth, peace on earth, at least for now, at least for now, when Christ returns, it changes everything. Because then peace on earth will be made manifest when Christ comes to judge the living and the dead. But for now, tonight, at what time it is? 437, peace on earth, at least for now, isn't out there. It's not some existential thing. What it is, is it's, it's in here. This is, this is the thing I didn't get 
35 years ago. When I thought of peace on earth, I thought, yeah, right, look around, man. But now I realize that this peace which Christ gives is not peace in the world, obviously, but peace, at least for now, in my heart. And the Greek word for heart, it's the word cardia, cardiologist, right? And it doesn't mean your emotions. It means, how would you say it? Um, it's peace that's like in your core, in your guts. Uh, what, the, what makes you you? Jesus puts peace there. Because here's the thing, friends, on Christmas Eve to remember that King Jesus changes people from the inside out, not from the outside in. He changes us from the inside out. And then we are to manifest this changed lives to the world around us. We are meant to be the instruments of this peace which we all crave. We are the ones who are to live according to the new king's rules until he returns to set the world to rights. Friends, this is Jesus' mission. This is our king's mission to change the world, literally change the world one heart at a time starting with you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus who took on human flesh, our King who came to earth to save us, to reconcile us to you. Help us live our lives, Father, in thanksgiving for his gift to us. Help us refocus our hearts, our minds, our wills, our intentions, our affections on Christ as our King. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.